Welcome to the April 15th, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show, where we do a deep dive market analysis every day and cover the most interesting stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. This is your host Space Marine live from space. So Bitcoin was in a steady range throughout most of the weekend, between about $5,000 and as high as $5,100 at points. Yesterday evening though, the Bitcoin price uh, rose quickly. It looked like a bit of a short squeeze. Bitcoin went from $5,100 up to almost $5,200, but not quite. So I would not call this a rally. It is a price increase low, and Bitcoin went from the regime of being between about $5,500 to being between about $5,100 and $5,200. And since then, Bitcoin has traded as low as $5,125 and has went as high as $5,185 just after midnight. Currently, Bitcoin's price is $5,160. And we're all waiting to see, will Bitcoin be able to go through that $5,300 to $5,400 resistance level? All eyes are on this critical resistance level. Since if Bitcoin is able to rise up to that level and actually break it, then that would continue the bull run that we have seen this month. Uh, Bitcoin's price rose quite quickly early this month, right at the beginning of April. Bitcoin rose from less than $4,200 up to as high as $5,300. It's pulled back a bit over the past several days. Uh, It went as high as 5440 on Bitstamp on April 10th before coming back down to earth a bit as low as $5,000, actually 49.30 at one point. And right now, though, it seems like the buying pressure is greater than the selling pressure and Bitcoin is trying to crawl upwards. And we might see a big short squeeze if Bitcoin's price continues to rise over the next day or two or three and we actually approach that $5,300 level and the buying pressure is good, and then we might see a short squeeze that'll rocket us through that level to over 5,400 and maybe beyond. I think if Bitcoin can actually rally, it could go to $6,000, which was the price of Bitcoin in like September and October before that big crash in November. So that's something to wait for, and the whole crypto market's waiting for that too. And the crypto market tends to follow Bitcoin. So since Bitcoin is a bit up, the rest of the crypto market is going up as well. Ethereum is up 1.6% at $167.17.6 billion market cap. Ripple is up 0.6%. And then there's Bitcoin Cash. It's up 17.5%. That just happened in the past hour or two. So it's generally a very good sign when we see a major cryptocurrency. Bitcoin Cash is actually ranked number four right now. It's at $5.8 billion market cap. And it's a really bullish sign when we see a major cryptocurrency rise up over 10% and even towards 20%. That could be a sign that the rest of the crypto market might be about to rally. It's not a guarantee, but I've seen over and over that a major cryptocurrency going up 10 or 20% is a precursor to an overall bigger rally. But then again, there is some news involving Bitcoin Cash today, but it's particularly about Bitcoin SV. So I'll just go into that news right now before I continue with the rest of the market analysis. So the CEO of Binance, Chengpeng Zhao, threatened to delist Bitcoin SV, which is the fork from Bitcoin Cash. So in November, the whole crypto market crashed when Bitcoin Cash had this fight and Bitcoin SV was formed. There was a fork. So now we have Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV. And uh, Craig Wright is pretty much kind of the, the guy who founded Bitcoin SV. And Craig Wright claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto, the guy who created Bitcoin. However, he has not shown definitive proof that he is Satoshi Nakamoto. The only way to prove that Someone is Satoshi Nakamoto is if that person signs a message with the private key from the Genesis block, pretty much. Or one of Satoshi's other known addresses, but the Genesis block would be the best proof. The private key from that signing a message would prove that someone is Satoshi. Craig Wright has refused to take that step. He has presented some evidence that is very interesting. And there was a time where I even thought he could be Satoshi. And, you know, there's still a small chance, but he has not proved it. 
Well, anyways, Craig Wright was fighting with this guy on Twitter named Holdenout. We talked about it a lot on one of our previous shows uh, within the past several days. So Holdenout was the founder of the Bitcoin Lightning Torch. He was quite popular on Twitter. The Bitcoin Lightning Torch is basically like you send a lightning payment to someone, they add 30 cents to it, and then they send it to someone else. And it ended up being like a big thing, and a lot of famous crypto people were passing the torch, as well as some billionaires and other celebrities were passing the Lightning Torch. So it was really good advertisement for the Bitcoin Lightning Network and a really fun activity in general, especially on Twitter. So Holdenot was in the good graces of Twitter, but then Holdenot got highly aggressive towards Craig Wright and called Craig Wright mentally ill and was also saying he's not Satoshi. So Holdenot kind of went on a rampage against Craig Wright and then Craig Wright went on a much bigger rampage against Holdenot. I'm not saying who's exactly right in this case uh, because... you know, Holden out kind of initiated it, but I'm not here to adjudicate what's right and what's wrong here. The facts are Holden out started a rampage against Craig Wright pretty much, saying a lot of things about him, and then Craig Wright uh, threatened to sue Holden out for defamation and libel. And I think technically Craig Wright could sue Holden out for defamation and libel. It's possible. It's uh, not 100% chance it would work, but it's definitely possible based on what Holden out said. And then Craig Wright sent uh, like a Twitter message to Holden out saying, like, I'm going to subpoena you. And you better be ready to go to court. And uh, I'll let you out of it, though, if you say that I am Satoshi. And Holdenot deleted his Twitter account. So then a lot of people on Twitter started changing their name to Holdenot, kind of like as a solidarity sort of thing. Like, everyone's Holdenot now. Um, And there's people even claiming to be Holdenot, like, for real, so they could be sued by Craig Wright instead of the actual Holdenot. Well, anyways, this went a little too far on Twitter. And uh, the CEO of Binance, Cheng Pengzhou... Threatened to delist Bitcoin SV because Bitcoin SV was founded by Craig Wright. If Craig Wright does anything else against Holdenot, and I guess I haven't really been paying attention to this, but maybe something happened further on Twitter. And now Cheng Peng Zhao, the CEO of Binance, has followed through with his threat. Uh, Bitcoin SV is being de- delisted from Binance, and that's a pretty big deal. Bitcoin SV is the number 12 cryptocurrency on coin market cap. It's certainly a major cryptocurrency. There's like thousands of cryptocurrencies. I guess there's hundreds of cryptocurrencies on Binance, not thousands. But anyways, Bitcoin SV is like almost in the top 10 and it has a lot of interest. There's definitely supporters for it. And it's being de- delisted from Binance over this sort of political issue on Twitter of Holdenot versus Craig Wright. So whatever the case may be, whoever's right and wrong in this battle doesn't matter. The facts are that really matter for the market. Bitcoin SV is being taken off Binance. Binance is the biggest crypto exchange in the world. And this has caused Bitcoin SV to crash 7.6% this morning. It's down to $65. This continues a general trend of Bitcoin SV sliding down the ranks. It's actually very close now. Monero could overtake Bitcoin SV very soon at this point. So, yeah, Bitcoin SV, ever since it was created in November, it started over $100, but it has not really been gaining. Even though all the other cryptos have been gaining a lot since early February, and especially since the bear market low in December, Bitcoin SV has generally been going down. And now it's being taken out Binance, which is like really the biggest crypto exchange for spot cryptocurrency trading. So that's a huge hit. So maybe back to Bitcoin Cash, since Bitcoin SV is losing so much support and is no longer available on Binance, the entire uh, Bitcoin SV crowd that was on Binance might be shifting over to Bitcoin Cash. So literally what we might be seeing here is people selling their Bitcoin SV and buying Bitcoin Cash. Because in general, Bitcoin SV was created from the Bitcoin Cash community. So if Bitcoin SV is not available on Binance, we're probably seeing a lot of people, and I'm speculating, uh, but it's quite possible that people are selling their Bitcoin SV and converting it to Bitcoin Cash. So 
Now, at this moment, Bitcoin SV is down 8.1% and Bitcoin Cash is up 17.1%. And then back to the overall big picture. Uh, sometimes when you see a major crypto go up 10 to 20%, it's a sign of, it could be a precursor to a bigger overall crypto rally later in the day. In this case, though, it might just be a political thing in the Bitcoin Cash community where people that were supporting Bitcoin SV and holding it have decided to switch camps and go to Bitcoin Cash because if you can't trade in a Binance, that really takes away a lot of its ability. Pretty much, Binance is a big deal for trading. Moving on with the rest of the market analysis, Litecoin is up 4%. That's a good sign. EOS is up 3.3%. Binance Coin is down 0.2%, but Binance Coin has gone up a lot over the weekend. It's actually at $19.40 now, $2.74 billion market cap, number seven on coin market cap. Stellar's up 0.8%, Cardano's up 1.3%, Tron up 2.9%, Monero up 2%, Dash is up, uh, Dash is down 0.1%, and IOTA is also down 0.1%. So Dash and IOTA and Binance Coin are down ever so slightly, barely down at all, practically no change. Bitcoin SV is the only crypto that's really bearish uh, today because of what's going on with Binance delisting it due to that fight between Craig Wright and Holdenot on Twitter. And then Bitcoin Cash is absolutely the most bullish crypto, but in general, most of the cryptos are bullish this morning. I would not call this a crypto rally yet. There's some signs maybe Bitcoin Cash could cause a rally, even if it is a political thing, and that's the reason it's rallying so much. It could spark an overall bigger rally. It's possible. So that completes the market analysis for the day. All eyes are on $5,300, $5,400 for Bitcoin. We're not going to have a real rally until Bitcoin rises up to like $5,400 or more. So we're waiting for that... There's no guarantee that will happen since the crypto market is infamously volatile. But simultaneously, since early February, it's been on a strong uptrend. So if the trend continues, then Bitcoin will go through that level. But if the trend breaks and the bear market comes back and forth, we'll slide back down to 5,000 or below. So we'll see what happens. Moving on to the first interesting story of the day. The Ethereum developers are discussing more frequent hard forks. Just to recap, Ethereum just had a hard fork called Constantinople. It was delayed a lot. Like, it was delayed for months and months and months, and they finally did it. And it was a big relief that Ethereum had done this hard fork finally. It might have helped the overall crypto rally. Ethereum's now at $167. During times when this fork, the Constantinople hard fork, was supposed to happen but was delayed, Ethereum went as low as, like, $90, even lower. Maybe as low as $80 at the absolute lowest at one point. During the time that Constantinople was supposed to deploy but didn't so ethereum just went through a lot of hard fork troubles what happened was constantinople was finally ready in january like the middle of january and then uh, they found a serious critical error in it and they had to delay it so actually a lot of nodes did upgrade to constantinople the wrong version and there was like an accidental blockchain split it didn't cause any monetary problems as far as i know and there's really no reports of any monetary problems from that but it was a debacle and then a month or two after that, Ethereum finally did the fork. Big relief. And now Ethereum has been able to rally to over $160. So it's been very bullish for Ethereum that the fork is over. But then we have the Ethereum developers saying, there's going to be more forks. And we're actually discussing, are they going to be more frequent? So some Ethereum developers are saying that there should be a fork every three months. Uh, the problem is, though, uh, there's not enough money, apparently, to pay people from every single Ethereum client to like develop the fork. So when Ethereum forks, it's not just Ethereum core. So you have Ethereum core, which is like Bitcoin core. It's like the core wallet for Ethereum. There's also a lot of other wallets like my ether wallet, um, parity, Gef. 
So yeah, there's all these different Ethereum clients that are very popular and they all have to do the fork at the same time for the fork to work. Otherwise, you'll end up with two different cryptocurrencies, one running on the old version, one running on the new version that could really actually branch off and make a new cryptocurrency, a new version of Ethereum. And that's not what they want. They want to keep the community together. So yeah, if they're going to do a fork, everyone that has a client, all the companies that make these Ethereum clients have to do it at the same time. And the companies are usually on these conference calls, apparently, where they discuss how we're going to fork and what's going to happen in the future because they're absolutely essential for the process. And what they're saying is, like, they don't have enough money to pay people to constantly, like, test and fork because they have to launch a test net, do a bunch of tests, implement the code into the actual wallet, and then be ready on the day of the fork. It's a lot of work to do an Ethereum fork. Uh, so there's some backlash coming from, like, fundamental basics, like, hey, it's really hard to do forks all the time. Uh, but they're saying that the reason they want to do a fork every three months is they have some upgrades that would take multiple successive upgrades to implement. One of them apparently is called state rents. The broader picture though is that the Ethereum developers are trying to get to what they call Ethereum 2.0. We've also called it uh, Serenity in the past. So the Ethereum developers have called this Serenity. And it's basically when Ethereum goes from proof of work to proof of stake, it'll be much quicker apparently and handle much more transactions in general because uh, there's no real block size limit when it comes to proof of stake. So literally they could do like lightning fast transactions, tons of them, but there'll be no miners. So it's a big deal to get rid of the Ethereum mining community. And that's like the major problem that's in the background because the Ethereum miners have been essential from the beginning. It's like the second biggest mining community in the world behind Bitcoin and getting rid of them completely will cause some backlash because that's their business. They mine Ethereum and they're really devoted to it. So this is not going to come easy, uh, and it's going to take a bunch of forks until mining has been, like, gotten rid of. And it's already started with Constantinople. They lowered the block reward from 3 Ether to 2 Ether, and that was in order to help smooth the transition from proof of work to proof of stake. Basically, their plan is to slowly take away the block rewards and basically kind of kill off the mining community slowly instead of doing it all at once. Uh, I personally believe, and this is speculation, but based on what I know, it would probably be better just to do it all at once instead of having a long, drawn-out battle. Because Constantinople itself, just lowering the block board from 3 Ether to 2 Ether, was a long fight over you know mining. And if this is going to happen every single fork, it's not good for the market. There's a lot of tokens on the Ethereum network that are actually major cryptocurrencies. And Ethereum and all these major cryptocurrencies that are tokens on the Ethereum network, they go down when they're stressed due to issues like this. Maybe they should do it all at once. But anyways, they're planning on doing it with successive forks. So they would rather have a fork every three months, some developers, instead of a fork every year. Right now, it's like they have one fork every year. And they enforce it with the Ice Age, the Ethereum Ice Age, the difficulty bomb. So to explain that, basically they put in the Ethereum code that if they don't do a fork within a year, the block times start getting longer and longer in an exponential fashion. And if they don't do a fork at all, and the difficulty bomb is going off completely, and like they give the bomb months to go off, then uh, the block times go to like infinity, and the network stalls out, and Ethereum will be destroyed. So literally, like they have to fork every year. But now they're talking about forks every three months, and there's some discussion even from the people saying we can't do it every three months because we don't have enough money to like test all the stuff for all the clients. They're also saying, well, if there's a pretty quick uh, sort of fork. And like everything's already tested and it's an easy one. Maybe we could do it. So they're actually discussing doing forks before there's a difficulty bomb going off. We'll see how this works because the difficulty bomb going off has usually been the impetus that forces everyone to upgrade even if they don't want the fork. And if they're trying to do a fork without the difficulty bomb going off, there might be a lot more fighting because 
pretty much like people don't have to upgrade. Like they could stay on the old version of Ethereum and it would still run. But when the difficulty bomb's going off, it becomes like, hey, if you don't upgrade, you know, your version of Ethereum's not going to work anymore. So we'll see how this plays out. I personally have a feeling, once again, speculation that they're probably only going to be able to do a fork once a year, which is still a lot. Keep in mind, Bitcoin does not fork. Bitcoin's the biggest cryptocurrency in the world, and it's absolutely against forks. There has been uh, some emergency forks in the past, like the deep past, like the early, early days of Bitcoin. They have done a fork to uh, when someone hacked Bitcoin and created 180 billion Bitcoins out of thin air. They did a fork and got rid of that exploit and got rid of those Bitcoins. But in general, Bitcoin does not fork. It's not trying to upgrade. Uh, Bitcoin's actually quite perfect, so it shouldn't do that. And then there's probably people that argue that Ethereum's perfect as it was before any of these forks happened and they should stop forking. But the Ethereum developers are... They really want to fork. Like, they want to keep upgrading it and make Ethereum constantly evolve. And we'll see how this goes. Just keep in mind, if you're holding Ethereum, it will be different. Like, every year, it's going to change a bit. And there's no guarantees how much it's going to change and what the market dynamics will be. Ethereum is constantly evolving. And the, the hope is that it's a decentralized process of forking, even though it is somewhat centralized. Like, you know, it's not everyone in the world deciding. It's just, like, a handful of developers decide on the fate of Ethereum. The hope is, though, that it's decentralized enough that Ethereum forks in the best interest of the community and makes it better instead of making it worse. So, moving on to the next story. BitMEX is the most popular derivatives exchange for crypto in the world. They do billions of dollars of volume per day, but keep in mind this is not spot, this is not actual Bitcoins, this is derivatives. It's usually futures. Well, they're trying to expand, and they want to add the ability to buy stock indices, including the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ QQQ indices. So basically people will be able to take their Bitcoin and then there'll be an automated process which cashes it out for dollars and buys the stocks right in BitMEX. So that's a pretty big deal to have a linkage between Bitcoin and the stock market directly. Uh, I guess technically you could buy stocks with Bitcoin, but you would need like a middleman. And so this is what this is. Like BitMEX is a pretty reputable and huge middleman, though. So it's kind of a big deal. I'm not sure exactly how this will affect the market or anything. But people on BitMEX, where those billions of dollars of trading volume is going through, they could take some of their money and put into stocks right through BitMEX and do everything on BitMEX. That might be all there is to it. I can't really think of how exactly uh, this will affect the crypto market. The other way around, though, let's say... On the stock market, people were able to buy Bitcoin. We've been talking about that a lot over the course of the past year in general. The whole crypto market's been talking about that. Like, let's say there was a Bitcoin ETF or physical Bitcoin features, but we're talking like if there was any options on the stock market, like any products where you could buy actual Bitcoins through either an ETF or physical Bitcoin futures, that would uh, help increase demand in the crypto market because basically stock investors would be able to diversify into Bitcoin. Well, this is kind of the opposite. Basically, it's like you take Bitcoin and then buy stocks. So this isn't like the biggest news. It's not going to have that much of an impact on the crypto market, but it's definitely interesting. I haven't seen anything like this where a crypto exchange of any sort, even if it's a derivatives exchange, I haven't seen any derivatives or spot crypto exchanges even talk about linking to the stock market. So BitMEX is going to be the pioneer in this. And Arthur Hayes, the CEO of BitMEX, says this is going to happen. So that's quite interesting. And then they're talking about uh, Bitcoin-backed short-term bonds as well. So they're saying there's going to be bonds uh, backed by Bitcoin, like 30-day paper. So that's interesting too, where people can basically 
uh, yeah, lend Bitcoin and get an interest rate out of it. That's already been something that's been going on since the early days. It hasn't been done so well, though. Like, there hasn't been, like, a huge organization that's, like, impervious to, like, defaults backing this sort of thing. So if it's BitMEX paper, it probably won't, like, you know, default. Like, people won't be at risk of losing all their Bitcoins. So I'm not exactly sure how this will work, but in the past, Bitcoin bonds have not gone very well. Like I said, it's been done since the early days. It's usually gone very poorly when people loan Bitcoin through any sort of site. BTC Jam is one of them that totally failed. Well, BitMEX is doing something like this, but a lot more institutionalized. That's probably the right word for this. It's a lot more legitimate and probably way less likely to fail. And it's probably not going to be peer-to-peer. -peer. People will literally be buying BitMEX paper. And uh, they'll have to pay back Bit BitMEX. And I don't know exactly how this is going to work, though. Like, whether people are going to be loaning the Bitcoin to BitMEX. And then BitMEX loans it to people and guarantees they'll be paid back. I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. But in general, BitMEX is basically saying, hey, we're going to move beyond what we're at now. I know we're, like, doing billions of dollars of transaction volume per day. But we could do even more. We could have more products. So BitMEX is trying to evolve and get even better. So that's interesting to know about. That's all I have for you today on this April 15th, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show. Come back tomorrow for another exciting episode and go to Crypto.IQ 24-7 for the most interesting stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. Also join the Crypto.IQ trading desk. They made 314% profit since July, despite the worst of the bear market happening during that time. And if you join the Crypto.IQ trading desk, you can see their full trade analysis in real time. And just by reading the trade analysis, you can become an expert cryptocurrency trader. It's really detailed and in-depth, and just by reading it, you can learn all the strategies you need to trade crypto. But then, you can actually ask the Crypto.IQ traders questions in real time, and they'll answer all of your questions. So, joining the Crypto.IQ trading desk is definitely the best way of becoming a profitable and expert crypto trader. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out. I remain in space.